are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Guys, reviewwave.com launched pre-2018, hit a million bucks of revenue that year before growing to 10 million in 2022. This month, Matt just shared on the show breaking 20 million bucks in revenue with the goal to get up to call it 29, 30 million this year, which would be doubling year over year. They cut down their profits last year to invest in team and growth. And now that those investments have been made, they're hoping this year is explosive for them. He's also made a small all-stock acquisition, got uh, caught almost 6,000 customers today, uh, paying on average caught three, 4,000 bucks per Per year, really going deep specifically in sort of the patient world, right? So orthopedics, chiropractics, these sorts of spaces they, as they look to continue to scale. Hey, folks, my guest today is Matt Prados. He's building a company called ReviewWave.com, SaaS for the healthcare industry. Matt, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's rock and roll. All right. I actually, I just, you just heard me hesitate when I read that intro. Did you, did you, you pivoted a bit to go directly to healthcare, huh? That you didn't use that you didn't call that niche out as aggressively two years ago. Uh, no, we, we we were very medical two years ago. When we did start, we okay. kind of really broad and and basically tried to work with anybody and everybody, but that's just not the way to go. Okay, I, I was say I I. I Maybe I just missed it, but I, I I saw you as a review site for a couple different niches, and so when I just read that, I go, oh, he's going deep now, I guess, on healthcare. Yeah, so we, we've been very heavily chiropractic for the last uh, six, seven years, and uh, we have some dentists, but uh, more recently, we've gone heavy into optometry. Interesting. I mean, I love that. You see so many people get just lost and diluted and churn goes through the roof because they try and be everything to everybody. Was it, was it hard? It, I mean, was it a tough decision to sort of be so specific with who your customer is? Uh, no, it was an easy decision in the early days and it worked really well. Um, the, the harder part is is actually getting additional verticals. And I think everybody who, who nails one thinks they can do many, but uh, that's where a lot of companies go to die. <laughs> that's right. Well, uh, we've had the privilege of having you on a couple of times. You broke a million bucks of revenue back in 2018. And when you came on in 2022, I believe you were flirting with about 13 and a half million bucks of revenue that year across, I think, 3,000 customers at the time. Does all that seem about right? Uh, you said three thousand customers. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. That's great. Now, have you? Do you have less customers today because you're so being so specific, or do you have more customers again, more chiropractors? Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot more customers. We're uh, approaching the six thousand mark for uh, locations across the U.S. and Canada, and um, we'll probably break the uh, twenty million run rate this month. Oh, that's cool. That's very exciting. Congratulations on that. How do you go find? I mean, be, you're, obviously, it's nice that you have such focus on your niche, but tell me how you're finding. How did you grow 2,000 uh, clinics or chiropractor healthcare professionals over the past year and a half, two years? Uh, I mean, there's no one magic bullet for go to market. So, I mean, it, it's everything from you know inbound marketing to outbound calling to events to partnerships, channels, relationships, et cetera. Let's do outbound calling for a second. Take us deep there. You do this all in-house or do you have an outsourced team that does the calls? Yeah. So when we, so uh, 2020, we, prior to the pandemic, we were very heavy events and we, and we really grew our, our business through a lot of events. I mean, we were on the road every single weekend. 
obviously all the events stopped when the uh, world shut down. And so we had to pivot. Uh, we had kind of like a, a tiny little test two man call center at the time. And, and we just went all in and we built it up to, um, to five and then 10 and eventually 20. Where, where was that, Matt? That was in your office or somewhere else? Yeah, the two- in, in the oh, office wow. uh, in California. And, uh, and now uh, our, we're headquartered in uh, North Dallas in McKinney, Texas. And so uh, we've got about 30 uh, on our SDR team out there uh, today. Okay. So, so that two-person call center that you launched back in, what, I guess, 2022, it grew to five quickly and now has over 30 people there, huh? Yeah. Launched in 2020. So, oh, so 2020. Over years. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and how do you, what are the metrics that each person making a call, what, how do you motivate them? Is it number of calls per day, number of answers? I mean, what are the metrics there? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of levers, uh, that you look at. I mean, certainly number of calls, uh, for the greener SDRs is, is crucial so that you get enough reps under your belt. Uh, but as you get better at asking questions and having conversations, then you can have a lower number of calls because you're going to convert more of those calls into good conversations and then good conversations into actual demos booked. And then as you get better, your show rate improves. So, I mean, early on, you know, it was like, you got to do a hundred, 150 calls a day, uh, now we have technology and auto dialers stuff starting new guys, you know, up to 200 calls, uh, you know, early on, but you know, once they get good, it can come down to, you know, hundred calls a day in order to, you know, hit their, hit their OTE. 30 reps making hundred calls a day would be 3000 calls a day. How do you get them that many leads? How do you get that many phone numbers? Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of digging in and finding out where those might be. And I'm no, just- come on, Matt, tell me your secrets. How do you get the phone numbers? <laughs> Uh, I mean, there, there's plenty of tools out there that scrape the world and 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 spit up sheets and you know lists to buy and and you know brokers et cetera. So uh, not going to give away our exact uh, method on that one, but uh, but you, you just got to get creative. You got to get out there. Uh, you got to verify it. Uh, I mean, we've spent a lot of money. Uh, you know, there's some overseas companies that will do the initial call and verify information and things like that. And so um, you know, the the better your list, the certainly the better your results. Mm-hmm. So what are, what would you say, I, I guess, okay, the call happens. Let's say just focus on the call channel for a second. They come in, one of your top sales reps closes the deal. What's that new customer going to likely pay you per month on average? Uh, average new MRR right now is floating right around the 383 mark. 383 bucks a month. Uh, and then, so what are you willing to pay to acquire that customer all in? Uh, I mean, you know, 1200 if I have to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And our, our retention is solid. so. Uh, uh, I'm not really worried about that. We've got a number of strategies where, you know, the the net revenue retention, uh, you know, we're going to go for is going to be, you know, by the end of the year, we expect to be about 150, 160% net revenue retention with some, some additional products and things that we're doing. And where do you at today? Uh, right on 95%. Okay, that's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty darn good. And so, just to be clear, the reason I asked that question about CAC, so you're willing to spend, call it a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks on the data brokers, the call screening, you know, all the process you've put together, because you know that that system is going to spit out new customers at three hundred fifty bucks a month, and you've got a three or four month payback period there. Yeah, that's great. What do you think? What do you think the total list size is for the the customers you're going after today? Is that fifty thousand in the world, or fifty thousand in the U.S., or uh, yeah, it's close, close to a hundred thousand us. Okay. So you have plenty of room to grow there. And, and I mean, can you call the same account multiple times in one week or do you try and space that out? Uh, unless you talk to them and there's like, you know, some sort of reason to call back that same week, then calling in the same weeks is not, not really a good idea. <laughs> You've been cussed out too many times there, huh? 
<laughs> you got to have a good cadence, not not be too aggressive. The the That's only great. negative reviews we have on Google are there's two or three out there where where some of the newer reps got a little too ambitious and called a few few too many times. <laughs> You'd rather have that than no one's closing any business because they're not calling enough. You know, hundred percent. Okay, this is great. I enjoyed going down that sort of call center rabbit hole. Give me one other growth channel that you're really bullish on. Uh, well, for us right now in inter, uh, in optometry, enterprise is an exciting one. Chiropractic doesn't really have uh, enterprise channels. You know, you've got the Joint, uh, which is a big franchise. They have a thousand locations, but they've got a homegrown built solution. So they were never really a prospect for us. The next biggest one is about 150 locations, which we have as a client. Uh, but that you know, from there it goes to 50, 30, 20. Uh, you know, one of the in optometry, I'd say probably 25% are enterprise deals. Uh, you know, we just signed a deal with a company that has 250 locations. So we're testing the first 11 right now. And as we prove proof of concept, then we'll be able to roll all 250 out. So very excited about the enterprise channel. Mm -hmm. I guess what I meant, I should have asked that differently. What tactics are you most bullish on? So, you know, the, the outbound cause is one tactic we just went deep on. What's another tactic you're bullish on? Uh, Get, or that you use really well. Get, getting into the decision maker for the the enterprise, whether it's you know calling, you know go, showing up at events, buying out bars, you know whatever, whatever we have to do to to get that relationship. Tell me that story. What's the last physical event you went to, and what was the playbook there? Do you sponsor a booth? You do a dinner? What did you do? Uh, I mean, the last one we went to, we we were just guests, and our team was just backpacking it. Uh, but great relationships there. Um, you know, the one right before that, they got uh, thirty minutes to speak and present. Uh, you know, so I mean, obviously, if you can speak, that's going to be the uh, the ideal way to go because you get in front of everybody. Uh, you know, most of the time, booths are tough. Uh, you know, unless they have a reason to come to the booth, they don't typically come to the booth. So speaking is is the best way to go. Um, but if it's a smaller group, then backpacking and shaking hands uh, works just as well. That's awesome. So what would you say you're going to spend in 2024 on your team going to events, whether that, whether that's you're paying to speak, you're paying for a booth, you're paying for their travel to backpack? Um, right around quarter million. Okay. Okay. So it's a significant investment for you guys. That makes a ton of sense. Talk to me a little bit more about capitalization. So again, you broke a million in 2018, 13 million in 2020. You're about to break 20 million run right here this month. Um, how have you funded the company? Are you bootstrapped or raised to date? Still, still bootstrapped, uh, you know, always being approached, currently entertaining a couple of uh, firms, you know, they're always, you're always trying to, you know, date somebody and create relationships. Um, you know, honestly, the, you know, we, we went from, you know, running like 20% uh, EBITDA margins in 2022 to 2023, made the conscious decision to reinvest everything. So we went to a zero uh, EBITDA model built a lot, a lot of headcount, a lot of building. And so we're really poised for 2024 to double. Uh, and so I don't know that I need the money, you know, it's, it's never a bad thing to take a little bit of money off the table and have a war chest, but, uh, you know, we're, we hit our, our targets for this year and it's, it's going to be an absolute rocket. What is your target this year? You finished last year. It sounds like with about like 19 million. What's your target this year? Uh, we, so yeah, we finished right around 18 million, uh, ARR, uh, we did about 16 and a half, uh, actual revenue. And so this year, you know, our goal is to do 32 million in revenue. And do you think a lot of that's going to come from going from, you know, 5,800 customers to 10,000 customers, or are you going to just sell more to your current customers, our ARPU expansion? So it's a combo of both. I mean, I, I think we'll probably add um, about 50% more customers this year compared to where we are today. 
but yeah, no, we'll, we'll definitely have uh, some additional products. I made an acquisition last year, last January, actually, of a, another software company that was a little bit of a startup. Um, and we're really, so do you spend a fortune, you spend a fortune on that or you negotiate a great deal? Uh, I did an all stock deal. Oh, great. Okay. So how do you get, I mean, there are founders listening right now that want to do all stock deals, whether they're, they're selling into one or they're, you know, a company like you that are doing one, how do you get to alignment on what the valuation is and how many, you know, fully diluted shares the acquiring, you know, the company you're acquiring will get? Uh, that's a, that's a great question. I'd say there, there's no science to that. It's definitely an art and, and really it comes down to how strategic, is it right? Like if you're just acquiring a company, it's going to give you a little bit of revenue and do it. Like it's, it's not that fun, but you know, I wanted to go out and find a, a company that was in optometry, had deep roots in optometry. So I found one that was founded by an optometrist, had a great product that was very new to the market, had a lot of potential. And so what I did, I mean, I overpaid, it was a very strategic uh, acquisition, but, uh, but there's one universal law of uh, startup founders everybody thinks their company's worth more than it is. And so, uh, you know, you have to, you know, you have to, you know, navigate those waters, you know, the, the egos that may or may not exist, uh, you know, when it comes down to actually talking about value and, and all those things. So, uh, and a lot of people look at what's going to happen versus what they've actually done. And, you know, once you've been in the game long enough, you know, you know, what you think is going to happen is, is usually drastically different than what does happen. So, uh, nine times out of 10 founders won't hit their, you know, projections for the new year. So what was the company's name that you bought? Practice Pal. Practice Pal. Okay. Interesting. And you found, okay. So you found them, you just sort of told us how, so what you're saying is, you know, they weren't, you know, doing caught three, four, five million revenue. And you guys agree on like, whatever, a five X revenue multiple. You just love the fact that it came from the niche you're trying to sell into deep domain experience and initial product. So proof he can build product. And those were the things you you paid for in stock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, we got a little bit of a team, um, you know, uh, Dr. Nathan, who was the founder, he stayed on, he's my VP of product now. Uh, I looked for somebody that, I, you know, I could do life with somebody that I knew I could be friends with, you know, go out, you know, vacation with if I wanted to things like that. I, I looked for somebody who had a good team, uh, a great concept, uh, you know, and, and something that, you know, I could take my, you know, marketing and scaling expertise, and really just blow it up. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're in, in, I'm not going to let it out quite yet, but you know, in, in Q1 here, we're about to release some things in optometry that have never been released in optometry and we'll make, uh, you know, the optometrist an additional, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 a year, um, something that they wanted and they haven't been able to get. And uh, it's going to become super easy for them to, to just add this revenue stream. So, uh, you know, we're actually going to give them a software that makes them more money in one feature of it, then it actually costs them. And so it'll literally be a no brainer. Uh, you know, very exciting. And that's, you know, anyway, it's gonna be big. I love that. And and how many full-time folks did Dr. Nathan have when he bought them? Uh, he had uh, two include, uh, besides himself. So three total. Three total. Okay. So you're like sub under a million revenue then. Oh yeah. No, it was tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This makes tons of sense. Very interesting. Last question I want to talk about because I get this question a lot and no one wants to talk about it publicly. And I'm hoping maybe you can teach us something. There's a lot of founders that build a great company like what you've built. Sorry, there's not a lot of founders that get to your scale, but there's a lot that have bootstrapped to like one, two, three million. You've done it up to 20 million. And what happens, Matt, is especially because I believe you're running this with, with your wife, right? Is the whole family or your net worth is stuck on paper in the business. And you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to go buy that nice big house and get some goats and some yard for my family, blah, blah, blah. 
but no bank's going to give you a loan against the equity and sort of your startup. So how do you think about managing your personal net worth and diversifying a little bit in a responsible way outside of just your review wave stock? Yeah. So, I mean, I made myself, you know, take some money out of the business over the years. So, I mean, we, you know, we, we did very well for ourselves. Uh, you know, we just bought dividends, profits. Dividends. Yeah. So, so we, we took profits for, you know, a, a number of years and, and it was good money. I mean, you know, I bought the, you know, the, you know, 3 million plus, you know, beach house that I've always wanted, you know, <laughs> got the G wagon, you know, every, everybody's, everybody's good. We'll just put it that way. There's, there's enough money in the bank that, you know, it's, you know, you, you know, if you have $250,000 liquid in the bank or you have, you know, $2.5 million liquid in the bank, your life really doesn't change too much unless you're just crazy and you want to spend it all. Right. Um, so as long as, you know, you get yourself a good cushion, you know, I'm still willing to, you know, bet the farm and, you know, obviously multiples three years ago were a lot more than multiples today. And so everybody's, you know, changing their tune on what valuations are and everything's cyclic. So look, if it takes me, you know, three, five, seven more years to get to a good, you know, multiple range, I mean, whatever it is, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll sweat it out. We'll, we'll have our, you know, big fun exit at the end, but, uh, it's, it's less about the money and it's more about who you are, you know, it's, it's the personal development along the way, because the truth is, um, you know, doing this long-term will kill you if you don't grow personally. <laughs> that and, is a very, that's the most accurate statement I've heard on my show in the past two years. So I guess the right question to you is, what do you want to learn next in your life? What are you curious about that you don't currently have access to? Yeah, so that's a great question. That's actually the question I ask myself when I pick what book I'm going to read next because it's always like that, you know, fascination of the bridge. Uh, but right now, I'm really just diving deep, deep into my own physical fitness. Uh, you know, last year when I came out, and I spoke at your event. I mean, I was like 40 pounds overweight. Uh, I was, was going to see, man. I see some muscles. I see some biceps yeah. popping out of that white shirt, man. You've been doing yeah. some work. Working hard, you know, I've dropped 45 pounds since uh, since last January, and uh, you know, working out hard. Uh, there, there, everybody's got a different potential, but your physical fitness will limit your potential of your mind, right? So, so it doesn't matter how many books you read, how much personal development that you chase. If your body's a disaster, if you're overweight, if you're fat, if you're drinking more nights than you're not drinking, like you're not winning. Right. And, and I didn't know that I didn't have a mentor that like kicked me in the butt last year and, and got that. I, I ended up getting that along the way. And, and so now I'm very focused on just, you know, getting my physical fitness to be the point where it's like, you know, undeniably winning in all areas of life. And, and that has made growing the business much easier. Just rock solid. Yeah, I love that. All right, Matt, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, your favorite book. Uh, yeah, so that's a super hard one. And so the first thing I'd say is it depends on the stage you're at, right? Because if you're not ready for everything, um, you know, there's extreme revenue, which I, I think is a must for, for most founders. But if I had to call out one, it'd be my boy, Dan Martell, buy back your time. You're talking uh, this one, right? That one right there. Yep. Extreme revenue growth. Yeah. So that's one of the, my favorite books. But if no matter where you're at in stage, buy back your time. My boy, Dan Martell, for sure. Are you in boardroom? Uh, I, I have been. I've, I've ran with okay. Dan over the years a couple That's times. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, so two two CEOs that I follow, uh, one, um, Alex Ramosi, uh, and two, uh, Wes Watson. Both good. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Review Wave? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I... I we have so many tools that we use and pay for from Salesforce to Monday to this, that, Zoom. 
honestly, I hate them all. Like, what do I use most? <laughs> I use G Suite. That's that's the tool that I use the most. My yeah. calendar is the number one tool that I use. Number three, how many hours or four? How many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Mm, six and a half to okay. seven. I get right. five. So, yeah, it's still just you and Chris, and our little uh, any little ones in the in the in the purview now. Oh, we have we have two big ones. I have I have a fourteen year old and a twenty five year old. Oh wow, okay, I didn't know that. Okay, so married with two kiddos. Yep, that's great. And how old are you? I am forty eight next month. Forty eight. Happy early birthday. Last question, Matt. Something you wish you knew when you were twenty. Uh, when I was twenty, you know, I think one of my favorite quotes, uh, you know, Gary Vee said, uh, you know, everybody's going to die, right? Uh, you know, too many people take themselves way too seriously. You got a limited time, you know, no matter what you're going to die. So just go out there, you know, do what you want to do, live the life of your dreams and um, forget what everybody says. Guys, reviewwave.com launched pre-2018, hit a million bucks of revenue that year before growing to 10 million in 2022. This month, Matt just shared on the show, breaking 20 million bucks in revenue with the goal to get up to call it 29, 30 million this year, which would be doubling year over year. They cut down their profits last year to invest in team and growth. And now that those investments have been made, they're hoping this year is explosive for them. He's also made a small all-stock acquisition, got uh, caught almost 6,000 customers today, uh, paying on average, caught three, 4,000 bucks per per year, really going deep specifically in sort of the patient world, right? So orthopedics, chiropractics, these sorts of spaces they, as they look to continue to scale. Matt, thanks for taking us to the top. Yeah, you got it, man.